Welcome to the Wonder Women Tech Show, where we highlight, celebrate, and amplify women and BIPOC voices. We're bringing Wonder Women Tech to the airwaves. I'm your host, Lisa Mae Brunson. Brunson with the Wonder Women Tech Show. Today's guest is someone that I'm super excited to have here because she was one of my favorite people in 2019 to connect with. She was one of our MCs for the 2019 Wonder Women Tech International Conference. She is Miss Universe Ireland 2019. Fanula O'Reilly is passionate about technology, advocacy, and storytelling. You can find her advocating for women in diversity in science, technology, engineering, and math. And we're gonna add the arts in there because you know we're all about STEAM. And she's the newest correspondent for CBS's Mission Unstoppable, helping to change the face of STEM. And if that's not enough, she also works for NASA's International Space Apps Challenge, while creating innovative projects with her fellow NASA data knots. Welcome, Fig. How are you? Yeah, it was so lovely. I'm doing so well. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. I know. I mean, like this time last year, we had just wrapped up our national conference, which you were part of. And and who could have known, like, just a few months after that, that we would be in some crazy 1970s horror movie? <laughs> it has been a, honestly, it's been a whirlwind of a year. And, you know, I when I won Miss Universe Ireland, I was like, oh, this is going to be the most amazing, crazy year ever. Little did I know it was also going to be because of this insane global pandemic. <laughs> so, oh my goodness, yeah, I, that was such an amazing event. I was delighted to be able to come out to California uh, and and meet you and be able to uh, be an MC. So I'm so glad that, you know, this is all kind of full circle. We're coming back a year later and we're able to chat and catch up. I know. I mean, we're not dancing on a boat this time, but you know, we'll 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 tap dance on the on the mic. So I'm yeah, so excited yeah. to have you here. You know, you have such a, an interesting background. I mean, I you know I mixed as well, but you come from you know this this these beautiful worlds of culture. You know, your mother's African American, your father is Irish. You are part of, you know, a, a, a brood of six girls. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm the oldest of five, so I get it. But we, you know, there's three girls and, and um, two boys. And actually, with I have a half-sister, so I guess now there's four girls and two boys. But I cannot imagine, what was it like growing up? And tell us a little bit about your childhood. Oh, my goodness. It was craziness. <laughs> so I'm the third out of six girls. Oh, you're the middle child. <laughs> yeah, I'm the middle child. You 
you know, which is so funny to me because middle children get a rap for, you know, um, going out of their way to get attention. And I think it's so hysterical uh, because, you know, yeah, I, I may live up to that. Um, <laughs> already being groomed to to really advocate for women and to create ecosystems supporting them family is is amped. family the the boys were much younger they're the two youngest so having that sisterhood now we didn't have this idyllic sisterhood that you have we were fighting (laughs) it was not fun
more people to know and understand that you can support women and be fans of women and love them and be sisterly, you know, and, and, and all relationships still can be different, you know. I think it's so lovely when women can come together and support one another, um, and, and I, I hope that more people can understand that. It, it doesn't have to be best friends all the time, but you can absolutely be sisterly and supportive, and I think that's really fabulous. Here, here. I think we we need to like double down on that message, you know, because this is a time where we need to really band together, especially within a sisterhood, because, you know, women, we're, we're, we are going through a collective challenge. You know, this pandemic has also adversely affected women more than men. So it's really important that we support each other. We advocate for each other and we amplify each other. Absolutely. I love that. I really do. So your father is from Ireland and your mother is from the U.S. There's a lot of differences between them, not just by country, but by culture. Can you share a little bit about what that's like? Because, you know, I'm a mixed child as well and I went through it. Uh, <laughs> I was bullied in school, you know, people and, and, you know, I'm, I'm a little older than you. So, um, you know, when I went to school, there were no other, like people were either black, Mexican or white. Yeah. There were not, oh, yeah. um, cause I grew up in New Mexico. So very large Hispanic culture. Turns out my mother is Hispanic and native American, but she was adopted and we didn't know. So she's white presenting. So people just saw black and white. Right. And so there was, oh. Yeah. And so there wasn't, like, an identity for me. That was my challenge. But did you have any Uh, of those challenges? Oh, absolutely. And you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, identity, what does that even mean? And I think growing up, traveling so much, uh, I was exposed to a lot of different types of cultures. And, you know, we're one big family. And when you have six little mixed kids running around with a black mother and a white European uh, father um, who has an accent, and he, we stood out, and that was not lost on us. Um, And I do think it has taken me years. It took us a lifetime, not just me, but my sisters as well, to figure out our identity and what it really means for us. A lot of people, their identity is rooted in where they grew up. You know, they they love their sports teams in their local uh, city. They uh, really, you know, when they when someone says, "Where are you from?" they can proudly and strongly profess they are from here. But we never had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't. I never lived anywhere longer than a couple years, like two or three years in a row. Anywhere, I've never lived anywhere longer than just a few years in a row. And so uh, I never really had some sort of deep connection with a location, with a, a place. And my mom's family and my dad's family, we were both very much so, um, you know, involved in our extended families and, and they always have like welcomed us in and we've had shared cultures growing up where you know my mom's family is very different from my dad's family for example you know my dad's side of the family my grandmother she doesn't even have us call her grandma she wants to be called by her first name so everyone on my dad's side of the family we call them by the first name there's no title associated with aunts and uncles and uh, things like that, but on my mom's side of the family, that is blasphemous, and some people can get some serious trouble if you do not give the respect that they deserve. <laughs> I love it. You know, so growing up having those differences, it's been beautiful, it's been amazing, but 
obviously mixed race and black, and maybe some of my other sisters who have features that are more associated stereotypically with blackness. And even, you know, growing up, seeing how people have responded to us, um, things that people have said or done, um, you know, those those things we, we shared with one another, and we were able to you know, have these long conversations about identity, but it, it took quite a long time to, to really figure out, uh, you know, how, who we were in a sense of um, having such a different kind of culture that most people aren't necessarily familiar with. Um, and, and I think for so many young people in Ireland, um, being Irish, being black Irish, and uh, in general, that is something that is, it, it's never really been talked about. It's never been put on the forefront. When you say Irish, most people do naturally tend to think of white Irish people, but there have been black Irish people for, for ages, and it's just uh, not as common um, historically, but there are uh, people of color that are Irish that live in Ireland, and I say now, though, um, in Ireland there is a generation of young people who have diverse backgrounds, and we've never seen it on such a large scale, though, before, where immigrants have, had, have come to the country, have had families, and all their kids know is being Irish, and um, there are people who are mixed race, uh, maybe they're half Irish and half Asian, or half Irish and half black, or whatever it may be, there's a whole generation of diversity now, and one thing that uh, I've been so proud of um, with the, the Miss Universe Ireland platform, it's been um, the fact that I, when I won, I became the first woman of color in general to win the title. And so I have uh, been able to shine a light in Ireland on this fact that, you know, there is diversity. And, and it's been really great because this past year, I don't think there actually could have been a better year to be able to have these conversations on such a wide national scale because more people are finally being able to sit down, listen, and challenge themselves when uh, it comes to um, what it means to be Irish in the first place. You know, I really love that. And you touch on so many important parts about home and identity. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about that in relation to, you know, inclusion and belonging. And I don't think that we actually take a look at those very important uh, aspects of what make us uh, unique, you know, as, as, a, as an employee, as, as someone in the workforce, that any of those forces could be at play, that anyone could be also wrestling on that very personal level of identity and home, right? So those, uh, I'm just thinking about, you know, future solutions, like thinking about how can we even drill down uh, more personal uh, opportunities and solutions for creating a culture of belonging. So this was, that was really inspiring. <laughs> I think I, my identity, for example, it lies at the intersection of a lot of different demographics and experiences. And I, I think for so many people, you know, the dreaded question of where are you from, it can be so confusing. You know, it's like, well, where I'm from, hmm, what does that mean? Does that mean where, am I, where was I born? Where, where do I currently live? Where, where did I spend the most time? Uh, that for me was such an awful question because I never would know what to say. Um, but I do think there is something to say for um, identity and what it'll mean, uh, you know, moving forward into the future, I suppose, because for so many people, identity, it's, it's, it's 
it's evolving and it's changing. Yeah, it absolutely is. So it's interesting how important it is to be open. And this is a conversation I've had with so many other people um, who have been open and who have taken a shot and said yes and walked through a door that they never would have walked into. So you find yourself on the other side and and then here you are a day to not for NASA, walk us through that process. And what do you, what is a data knot? <laughs> um, it's such a cool word. <laughs> Isn't it? It's like data knot. Uh, data knot. So I, I got my Bachelor of Science in Systems Engineering from the George Washington University. And so I did, I think about, uh, when I was in high school, I started attending um, a STEM program uh, at UC Berkeley during my summer. Um, I would go to this program, I'd spend time on campus, and that was my very first real experience um, with uh, uh, a wide variety of teachers who and educators who really could show and teach me about what it meant to, to work in STEM, whether it was as a scientist, uh, engineer, mathematician, technologist, all of those, my first real uh, moment where I got to understand what it meant, and I, I was blown away, and I, I loved it, and that was um, my first experience coding, and I, I knew that when I was applying to college, I, I was seriously considering um, studying engineering, and so I, I uh, went to GW, I started studying systems engineering, um, and then I started working in the tech industry immediately after I graduated. Um, I did not necessarily, I knew the type of engineering, that systems engineering, um, what, it was new, uh, I think it came about in the 1970s, and it's awesome because you can apply it to so many different fields, so many different industries. Um, I, I was always a, a kind of good at math, and I was always um, kind of good at being able to uh, sit on my computer and just get my work done, and I'm not, I wasn't, you know, very chit-chatty, I suppose, when it came to, you know, being in an office, I, I would get, like, really in my rabbit hole, and I, I was really good at just um, staying in the zone, and I think those qualities were really good for the type of work I was doing. Uh, ultimately, a friend of mine from my university days, she just messaged me out of the blue and, and she told me, you know, she thought that this program would be really great for me and that I should look into it. She had already been a part of the NASA Data Nuts program and when I when I learned about it, I just I didn't know if I would be able to. I had a lot of self doubt and I just wasn't sure if I was I would, you know, be accepted. Um, the Data Nuts program it is one of NASA's uh, it was built um, on top of one of NASA's Women in Data initiatives, um, partially with the uh, intent of uh, getting more women who work in data science um, opportunities to work with NASA. And uh, the program operates out of NASA headquarters, which is in Washington, D.C., out of the Chief of Information Office. And ultimately, um, I've been able to work with amazing people from all over the world. Uh, and I think I was the only one at the time that was located in Washington, D.C., so I was working on really awesome uh, projects um, with people that were located in uh, Asia, South America, all over the U.S. and, and Europe. And, and uh, it, it's really been great also because we are given this platform kind of like an ambassadorship where um, they want us to be able to speak about our work and, and the things that we do um, 
in in a in a wider sense. I'd say it's great because I want to say it's between like thirty and forty percent of the people that are uh, data nods are are women. They're uh, and they're from a lot of uh, diverse backgrounds. And I think that was, this is my very first experience um, working with uh, uh, working in a STEM job where it was that high of a uh, breakdown for women. You know, I really love that. I mean, you could hear the passion as well and excitement for, you know, being in a role that you, you've you come to, like, love and celebrate. And for me, you know, and it's no secret, I've talked about it many times, I, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be working at NASA. So you're living my dream on a different level. <laughs> I, I love that so much. It's it's a thing that I didn't realize that I would have, especially so, you know, later in life. I think most kids, they're like, I'm going to be an astronaut when they're younger. But that never crossed my mind. But now, the older I get, I'm like, this is actually very awesome. And there are people who do attain these kinds of jobs. And it's not it's not as, un, I mean, it is, you know, it's a long journey. <laughs> it's a long journey. But if you do keep it in um, in mind, you never know uh, if you could get there unless you try. So I think it, it's absolutely something that I, I'm going to keep my eye on and, and we'll see how far I go and how far I get. Well, we're definitely going to keep our eye on you. Let's take a break for today's Pioneering Women in STEAM. And now it's time for today's Pioneering Women segment. Chen Chengwu was a Chinese-American physicist and is considered the first lady of physics. Wu became a physics instructor at Princeton University and at Smith College. In 1944, she joined the Manhattan Project at the Substitute Alloy Materials Lab at Columbia University, focusing on radiation detectors. When the B reactor at Hanford mysteriously shut down soon after it began operating, Wu helped identify poisoning by xenon-135 as the culprit. She conducted the Wu experiment, which proved that parity is not conserved. In 1958, her research helped answer important biological questions about blood and sickle cell anemia. She was also the first woman to serve as president of the American Physical Society. Her awards include the National Medal of Science, the Comstock Prize, and the first honorary doctorate awarded to a woman at Princeton University. She also won the Wolf Prize in Physics in 1978. Her book, Beta Decay, published in 1965, is still a standard reference for nuclear physicists. Thank you for your pioneering contributions, Tian Shengwu. Welcome back, innovators. I've been hanging out with Big O'Reilly, who has been sharing some amazing insights into being a NASA data knot, what it's like to be Miss Universe Ireland, and also taking us down all the pathways that we could take to get to where we need to be today. So Fig, you've made history as the first Black Miss Universe Ireland. So first of all, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm 
very proud of that. I mean, uh, still, I think in the beginning, uh, when I won, it was kind of conflicting because I was so proud, but also at the same time, I was like, it is 2019 and there has not been a woman of color, much less a black woman, uh, who has won Miss Universe Ireland. And um, we spoke a bit earlier about uh, Irish identity and it is a lot more complicated and, and diverse than people probably think. But I'm, I'm so glad at least that that barrier has finally been broken because there are so many young girls who, who need to see representation. They need to see themselves uh, in uh, women in media. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, as I mentioned, that's that's my passion. Um, and the other the other thing that's so important about this and and I want to share a, a personal story that involves you with our audience. So, you know, um, beauty and brains is something that I feel people can't wrap their heads around that a woman can have beauty and brains and beauty looks like so many different things. Right. And, you know, being a quote unquote pageant winner, a beauty queen, people have this misconception that they cannot be something else. And, you know, I can't imagine how your personal experiences have been over the years. But last year, you know, I had a rude awakening uh, when we were contacted by a very prominent columnist for Inc., uh, who happens to be a white woman and who uh, basically called me out in Wonder Women Tech and threatened to write a scathing piece about the fact that we included two not one, but two beauty queens. This was also with Ryan Richardson, who was um, the, yeah. fif- the 50th anniversary Miss Black America. And we were so excited to have you both uh, agreed to be part of our program. Both of you have impressive backgrounds in STEM, right? So in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, screw her. Like, why did I spend so, and this was literally hours. I got on phone calls with this woman. We went back and forth on emails. I literally had to prove to her that you guys were who you were. Oh, but no, this is a NASA data knot. No, this is a woman who's a, you know, Ryan is a thought leader in the diversity and inclusion space. Like these women deserve to be on the stage. I, I had to call you guys. And say, hi, ladies, I'm sorry, because I was I was not sure if she was going to write this piece. So I had to prepare you, you know, with the possibility that something ugly could be coming out. And I remember you you were so I mean, you were in Ireland, I believe, at the time. And like, I was was like coordinating calls with you. And I was like, I'm glad that. Well, I remember telling you. Regardless, I'm still, like, if they'll have me, I still want to go. If she wants to put it out, let her put it out. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm glad that you, you guys have, were so great. Um, and I agree with what you said, though. I was embarrassed that here is yet another instance of a woman trying to bring down other women. And unfortunately, in this situa- situation, it was a white woman um, not doing her due diligence and trying to tear down black women. And she had no, she didn't have a leg to stand on. And I think it, it has been frustrating, but I'm happy to have the conversation with people to tell them just because you may be a beauty queen, someone who likes 
fashion, beauty, makeup, whatever your interests are, it does not negate you from being able to also be an intelligent, successful woman outside of those interests. Thank and you. It seems like such a silly thing to have to defend. However, there there have been stereotypes throughout history um, of women in STEM, and there are stereotypes of women uh, in in fashion and beauty where they must be airheaded. Uh, it's unfortunate sometimes. We as women, we, you know, we tear each other down. And all she didn't have to. She didn't have to come to you with that. She didn't have to try to attack. Uh, uh, the the program just because that we're also beauty queens. If anything, being a, a beauty queen has taught me that it's an amazing platform to spread um, messages uh, that you may have. And I've used my platform as Miss Universe Island, spending my year to amplify the work that I've already been doing. Uh, I started volunteering, advocating um, for uh, women in STEM with Girls Who Code, with Black Girls Code, with uh, the Equals Global Partnership. I've done so much work out before I, I was crowned um, where I was trying to do what I can for my local communities to, to let people know that there more women and more diversity is we it's needed in these industries because ultimately we're creators of the future and if you don't have people of diverse backgrounds at the, the table helping to create then the future won't be for everybody it's not going to be equitable for all um that that uh work that i've been doing i was able to amplify that work through being able to win this pageant and using the Miss Universe Ireland platform to spread this message on an even, you know, on a national scale. And I'm, I'm so proud of that because I've been able to, you know, combat these people who are naysayers. Well, beauty queens don't actually do anything. Actually, this is the hardest job I've ever had. <laughs> it's the hardest job I've ever had because it requires so much. Um, of your time uh, in your energy, you're, you're you're traveling around, you're meeting so many people, and at the same time, you know you do it, you hope to be able to do it gracefully and with a good head on your shoulders. And and I think it's been one of the most proud things I've been able to do because it's such such an amazing platform for young women uh, to be a role model and to also you know share your ideals and the things that you've been doing um, with others. And I think uh, anyone who tries to tear a woman down, especially other women, that's not feminism. That's the exact opposite. You know, just because someone's choices may be different from the ones that you would choose for yourself, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. And I would hope that more people who may have been a little closed off or thought that pageantry is silly, uh, maybe, you know, if they hear my story and they realize, well, you know, this girl, she's doing something, you know, and, and they've seen, they take the time to listen. I, I think that you know, I, I, I hopefully can be one of the people that can change their minds about the work that we do. You know, I I am so grateful to you for so many reasons. I mean, number one, when I went through that experience, because it, it really, it traumatized me because it's like my reputation was on the line, the decisions mm -hmm. I made. And then, of course, professionally, you know, building relationships with you was so important to me and you really showed up you and Ryan. I mean, there was a sisterhood that in those moments in those days when we should have been excited preparing for this event, we were like on a couple of calls and in our WhatsApp chat. And for me, I'll take it a step further. You know, if you're in a position, you know, we shouldn't be tearing each other down, obviously as women, but if you are also in a position where you are in media 
where you are an influencer, where you have the opportunity to tell a story that could make or break somebody, you need to be even more conscious about how you show up in the world. And, and as you mentioned, doing your due diligence, because at the end of the day, like we are also influencing future generations to accept or reject us. And as black, beautiful women, uh, inside and out and working towards uh, inclusion, diversity, and in these STEAM fields, we even need to be more celebrated because we are at the forefront of a lot of turmoil and stress. And, um, you know, this work is not easy on any level. And and I love that you continue to show up. I loved the, the camaraderie and the sisterhood. And it will always, for me, be one of uh, the highlights of my a year where I, I did feel burnout and I felt, you know, this sense of attack. Um, so thank you for showing up and for showing up for other people in the ways that you do. And you can hear, you know, if any, if anybody can hear the passion in Fig's voice where she just really, you can see you have a heart for humanity, Fig. You know, that's so true. Some of the keywords of this year are empathy and compassion and vulnerability. So I, yeah, I would love you to tell us something that you've never shared with anyone else before. Oh my goodness. Something I've never shared with anyone. Well, this is a good one. I will say pageant fans, they are, they're really good at finding things out about you. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things that I had no idea that anyone would ever find out. They, they, they dug that up and, um, uh, and put it on black. So, uh, let's see, wait, I can't, we have, what have we found out about before? Hmm. Um, let me think. Okay. Okay. I don't know if this is good, but I'll give it a shot. Um, Okay, so one thing I I don't think I've ever really told anyone was maybe how fearful I was of putting myself out there and competing in Miss Universe Ireland um, or even speaking on big talk shows uh, or, um, yeah, just putting myself out there because I think fear, it holds so many people back from so many things and I absolutely nearly let it hold me back from some of the things that I wanted to do um, but I wound up doing these things because specifically of my sisters where I I preach to my sisters all day long about going after their goals and doing the things that they say that, say that they want to do and I nearly let my fear of being criticized by others stop me from going after my goals um, because it, it can be very scary to put yourself out there and wonder how people may uh, perceive you and I, I think that um, that was a big fear of mine but I'm so glad that I had my sisters as my motivators to overcome that fear and, and practice what it is that I preach because all of the most rewarding things in my life have come on the opposite side of fear. It's come because I did put myself out there. And in that moment of wondering what people would think of me, uh, being able to just let it go and walk in your truth, that I think has been the most inspiring and uplifting and just freeing experience that I've had. And I think it's 
one of the reasons why I can just allow for myself now to just be who I am and and that I just I, I walk in my truth and it no longer affects me and I think that has been one of the most beautiful things that has come out of my experience of just putting myself out there and letting the chips fall as they as they landed. Well, that wasn't good. That was epic. We talked about all the million paths that we can take. And so would you take the easy road or the road less traveled and why? Ooh, I, I definitely, if I'm looking back, it would be the road less traveled by. And I think, you know, some of it just comes from the fact that I love to just see what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> entertained what's gonna come out the doors together we were we were on a boat we were dancing we were singing uh it was just and I one of the things I really loved is that I got my mother was there and my sisters were there and I and they got to like meet you and I remember um one of my sisters coming back and saying like she's just so personable and like real and friendly and I think you know, that is something that we all need to remember is that our role models, and you are a role model, are humans, and they're relatable, and they're, they are lovely and inspiring, and you have proved to be exactly all of those things, babe. Thank you so much for being oh, here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again. I've had such a great time chatting with you. It's so good to catch up. I I'm, I love watching you as well. You are are such a fierce, you know, successful woman. And I, I, I'm absolutely glad that we've had the chance to meet and that we've stayed in touch. And I'm so happy that I can be on the show with you. Ah, thank you. And I'm going to watch you on CBS's Mission Impossible. <laughs> Count me as a yes, viewer. It airs January 2nd, season two. Uh, it's hosted by Miranda Cosgrove. And yes, it's on CBS on Saturday. Okay, well, we're going to tune in, love. And thank you so much for being here. I will see you on the other side of all the magic. All right, thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Fig. Thank you so much for being here, innovators. We'll see you next week when we take on the world one more time.